Hi, I'm Dawn Zale Abernathy, and you are listening to TV Confidential with host Ed Robertson. Just a minute. Who do you want to see? I'm Hazel Scott. We're here for the audition. Oh, Miss Scott. Yes, they're waiting for you. Go right in. How's the piano, Hazel? I guess it'll hold up. Ed Robertson will offer guest Jennifer Armstrong. Jennifer Armstrong, New York Times best-selling author. Jennifer's books on television include Sex in the City and Us, How Four Single Women Change the Way We Think, Live, and Love, Seinfeldia, How a Show About Nothing Changed Everything, and Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted and all the brilliant minds who made the Mary Tyler Moore Show a television classic. Jennifer's latest book, When Women Invented Television, traces the history of the first 10 years of network television through the lives and accomplishments of Gertrude Berg, Hazel Scott, Betty White, and Erna Phillips in the late 1940s, and how all four women found themselves marginalized as television became more popular and more lucrative amidst the changing culture of the early 1950s. When Women Invented Television is available wherever books are sold through HarperCollins. You can also find it on Amazon.com and wherever books are sold online. Jennifer, before we went to break, we were talking about how the individual stories of Erna Phillips, Gertrude Berg, Hazel Scott, and Betty White all inform each other, as well as how each of them had their own independent streak that was more or less born inside them and which carried them through their accomplishments during sometimes turbulent times. Yes, exactly. They're all so inspiring to me. I think it's really extraordinary what they were able to do. It was, you know, part of the point of the story is that it was a time when when women were able to do more in the industry, but that doesn't mean it was easy. And it was still only about a quarter of creatives working in the industry were women. So it's still very male-dominated, even though it became even more male-dominated in the late 50s and onward. So they really were incredibly driven women. Let's talk a little bit about each of them. I want to start with Betty White because we've we've been talking about her a lot in the last few minutes. One one of the revelations that I learned as a result of we of, of reading when women invented television Jen, Jennifer is that early, I mean she was career driven, she was unapologetic about it and she determined early on that being married and accomplishing my goals professionally are not always going to mix. And in some respects, I suppose you could say she was Mary Richards before Mary Richards came to be. That's so true. I'm going to steal that for future <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Um, you are welcome to do that, my dear. <laughs> that is, no, it's really true. And it's something that I loved learning about her because I just think it's, it's sort of different from the persona, the perspective we have on her now as an older woman who did eventually get married and had one of actually the great Hollywood marriages to Alan Ludd, mm-hmm. the uh, host of Password, who she met while being on Password, and I love that. But that was until the 60s. Yeah. And at this time, you know, you really could make a Mary Tyler Moore show about her at that time. I think it's really, she had such a unique sort of niche in the world, essentially. She had been married twice, divorced twice. Um, Her second husband, she divorced when she was on the rise because he told her he didn't want, he realized he didn't want a a 
quite as much a career woman as she was becoming, essentially. He didn't realize she was going to become such a star, and he didn't like it. And so she moved back with her parents, and she had a really close relationship with her parents. And I love this because she actually kind of discovers, like, oh, now I don't have to go home and cook dinner. She was running home to cook dinner for her husband after five and a half hours a day on the air for her daytime talk show. So now, you know, they're handling the housework. They're handling all of life, you know, and she can just really focus on her career. And she kind of had a great setup for that at that time. It's just that she was then constantly questioned in interviews, you know, when are you going to get married? Yeah. Why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? So it's fascinating to kind of see her in that different light in her late 20s. Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, five and a half hours a day. That's that's what she was doing, folks. Uh, as we mentioned in our open, Betty White hosted one of the very first experiments. It was sort of like a it was sort of like a radio show for television or a television yeah. show on radio. But it was five and a half hours unscripted, six days a week. Her and her co-host, Al Jarvis. Yes, which is insane. Um, Yeah. I don't think anyone needs me to tell you that. Especially, like, I love that they even go for the full six days a week. Like, she gets one day off. Yeah. And there's no, like you mentioned, there's no writers. There's no scripts. So they would have, like, they'd come up with a few ideas while they were getting ready every morning. But they basically just went on the air and they would maybe, maybe talk about the news. They might do some sketches they might do she she liked to sing and she would do songs sometimes they had to deliver all the ads themselves so there was really no break and it was all them and I think it explains a lot about Betty as a professional because this is why in her 90s she's still so quick on her feet it's why she could host Saturday Night Live as I believe the oldest person to ever do so because that was nothing to her you know she had yeah. on the air for five and a half hours a day six days a week for years in the early part of her career so after that everything's easy yeah and and the other thing is doing an unscripted five and a half hour show six days a week you were really you're, you're presenting an extension of who you are as a person to your viewing yeah. or listening audience. And that's, I mean, I just discovered this, I just discovered this myself very recently, uh, Jennifer. That's this, that, that is why so many of us love Betty White, because she, she just seems who she is. That's right. And she actually talked about that in those early interviews that she sort of discovered that there was no sense in trying to be who someone else wanted her to be. She could only be who she was. And like you said, to be honest, how could you possibly put on any kind of persona for that long? Like you're going to, your real self is going to come out. And I think what turned out to be true is that there's a certain kind of person that you can even consider inviting into your home for five and a half hours a day, six days a week. And Betty White was really made for television. She is the quintessential television star. And her first series, her first scripted series, Life with Elizabeth, I didn't know about this until I read When Women Invented Mm. Television. That was sort of a spinoff, more or less, of one of the things she did on Hollywood on television. Exactly. So they would do, among the many things they would do to fill that time, is that they would do little sketches and kind of improv sketches. And one thing that they hit upon that turned out to be really popular was doing the sketch as a married couple. And they were just, you know, cute little tiny low-budget, you know, kinds of things that you could do, like little tiny arguments you might have with your spouse, that kind of thing. 
and they spun that off. They realized that it was really going well, and so they made that into the sitcom Life with Elizabeth, and her co-host, who you mentioned, Al Jarvis, had actually, like, he left the show. He left Hollywood on television to go do uh, some stuff with his wife at the time, but they so they brought in a new husband for her for the actual sitcom named his the actor's name was Del Moore and the character's name was Alvin so they would just do even the show itself once it was a sitcom it was actually usually three segments so mm -hmm. they were still kind of like little sketches and it would be something as simple as like Elizabeth you know learns to drive the new car and it doesn't go as well as planned or Elizabeth needs to pick out new wallpaper and they're disagreeing about what kind very little, you know, the, his boss is coming over for dinner, and she can't get to the store. You know, just these little teeny things, and she's so charming that she makes anything kind of work, and it's just so much fun to watch. Yes, and on, on Life with Elizabeth, and then I think on her second uh, show, A Date with the Angels, uh, she worked with both uh, Jack Nars and his brother Jim Nars, better known as Tom Kennedy. Yes, yes. They would do these really funny things. One of my favorite aspects of the show was actually she would interact with the announcer. Yeah. And um, again, like something that she was really good at from the talk show is that she could look right into the camera and mm -hmm. kind of talk to the audience. And it feels like she's really talking to you. And mm -hmm. I think they used that essentially here. So she'd do these little, you know, the, the announcer would come on and say, he would talk about the situation they were in, and he would often ask her kind of as the punchline, aren't you ashamed, Elizabeth? And she would look, <laughs> like, look directly at the camera and kind of nod, nope. So it was this funny gambit that is feels almost modern, right? It's a very fourth wall-breaking gambit of, like, she can hear the announcer and she can interact with him, but her husband doesn't. And it's a very, it's very funny. It's very cute when she does it. I, it's surprisingly, it sounds like such a sort of simple show, and it is. But because she's so charismatic, it's very fun to watch. Betty White is one of the four female visionaries that Jennifer Armstrong profiles. The other three being Erna Phillips, Gertrude Berg, and Hazel Scott. In her latest book, When Women Invented television the untold story of the female powerhouses who pioneer the way we watch today when women invented television available through our friends at harper collins stay with us folks we'll be right back now let's talk about hazel scott now we mentioned in our open she was nationally renowned jazz pianist uh, she had done some movies but she toured the country and she was she was she was an innovative performer as a musician in and of itself, but in a way, the opportunity to do a television show provided for her a sense of normalcy, didn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the life of a musician in any era is never easy, and uh, she had to tour a lot to be a musician. Of course, she was very popular. So the good news is she was selling out all over the place mm -hmm. and going all over the country, and people loved her, but. You know, touring is never fun. And on top of this, she's a black woman during, you know, still the Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. And so there were often, you know, she ran into trouble. She would just get on a train and suddenly be told, this, you can't be in this car or, you know, that sort of thing. So that's adding to things. She's adding to the stress. On top of which, she did have sort of a public 
policy that she would not play segregated venues, and often she would still get booked in them, even though it said she was not supposed to in her contract. So she would go to a venue and find it was segregated and walk right back out and usually end up giving a lot of interviews about it and kind of drawing attention to it, which is great, but seems pretty seems pretty exhausting as well. And one thing she really loved about having this show is that it was based in New York City, and she lived just outside of New York with her young family, with her husband, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., the congressman, and her young son. He was about three at the time, um, sort of three to five years old during this time. And so this allowed her to just drive into the city to do her show. And it, it started out one night a week as a local show, ends up being three nights a week national. So now it really becomes a promising operation because she's reaching different parts of the country three times a week. She can still get in a gig in the city at a club if she wants, and she can be at home for dinner with her young child. And even her son would go to set with her sometimes. I talked to him. He is, you know, obviously an adult man now um, and remembers being, at, remembers being on the set with her, which yeah. is amazing. And so, you know, it was really this, like, dream job for her at this time. And it makes me very sad that it only lasted for a year for her because I think she could have gone far if she had been able to continue it. And I think we, if she had been able to, you know, she might be a name that more people know. Yeah, I want to get into that in just a second. But first, Scott's show aired on the Dumont Network. The Dumont Network was the fourth network at the time. And one of the things you, you talk about in When Women Invented Television was, in a lot of ways, Dumont was a good fit for her professionally. Exactly. I mean, I think with something we see over and over again in television history that I sort of love is the fourth network. The fourth network's always so scrappy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it was later something like Fox or the WB, we see similar patterns. And if you're the startup network, if you're the outsider, and in this case, ABC, CBS, and NBC were all coming from great radio legacies. Mm -hmm. So they could draw their talent over, and they obviously had the money. Dumont was a TV manufacturer who, who had this idea that maybe it'd be great, maybe it'll work for us to have a network, but that meant they had to kind of figure out how to make a splash with less money. Mm-hmm. And having somebody like Hazel, who was incredibly famous, like this is something I cannot overstate because just because we may not all know her name now, I describe her as the Beyonce of her time. She, you know, was very glamorous and very charismatic and so talented, you know, married to this congressman. They were such, they were a glamorous couple and also had this powerful kind of civil rights activism that she did. And so she's great in a lot of ways, but she also had, you know, I guess what some would consider liabilities then too, like being, quote, controversial, which comes back to her. Uh, But at that time, you know, it was like a good bet for them that they could have her, it was appealing to her because she, you know, she had a lot of incentive to do it, as we were talking about, because it was an ideal situation for her. So they could get this big star and deal with, you know, at the time, I guess they thought they could deal with any kind of controversy, though they run scared at that pretty quick later. So it was, in a lot of ways, 
it could have been a good match. It could have been a good match had they been in a position to weather the storm. And, uh, right. And the backstory of that is explained in Jennifer's book, When Women Invented Television, the untold story of the female powerhouses who pioneered the way we watch today, available through our friends at Harper Collins. So let's see, you before we move on, one last point about Hazel Scott. You you mentioned I hadn't thought of this, but in a lot of ways, the presence of a successful, glamorous, sophisticated, elegant African American woman paved the way three or four decades later for Oprah Winfrey and later of Felicia Rashad as Claire Huxtable. Yeah, I thought that Hazel's real contribution to the medium was actually her carefully managed persona. She was very, very conscious of how she was presented and had many contract stipulations. She was lucky enough to have the power to do this. And so when she would do films back in the 40s and then when she came over to television, she had things like wardrobe approval and scene approval, and she was only ever billed as Hazel Scott as herself. Mm -hmm. And she said she would never do what she called singing maid roles. And so she had a lot of ideas about how black women must be portrayed in these powerful media. And to me, that was such a contribution of hers. And you can sort of see the direct line, something that I love is that in the 1970s later, Hazel Scott actually did a guest appearance on Diane Carroll's groundbreaking show, Julia. And uh, I think that's really fitting because that to me is her legacy is this professional black woman who was such a groundbreaking character all the way 20 years later. So that to me is so important that she did for for women in the medium. Now, we mentioned that Hazel's show, when it went national, it did very well for Dumont during its first three months on the air. And then come September 1950, events changed, uh, the blacklist, and it, it affected both Hazel's show and Gertrude Berg and the Goldbergs. Yes, exactly. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Jennifer Armstrong is the author of When Women Invented television, the untold story of the female powerhouses who pioneered the way we watch today. We'll talk some more with Jennifer Armstrong. We come back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group, 
They'll find a solution that works best for you. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.